Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to the, the Nomi, Nomi Podcast. Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Nomi Podcast, where we dive deep into understanding ourselves and the world around us. I'm Cynthia. And I'm Madeline. Today's episode is not just special, it's a first for us. We're stepping back today to let a trio of incredible voices take the lead. It's our first ever podcast takeover. We've always believed in exploring different perspectives, and today it's all about shining a light on a topic that's often left in the shadows, men's mental health. With us usually at the helm, we've had many conversations about mental wellness and awareness from our perspectives, but this time we're handing over the reins to three amazing men from our coaching leaders at Nomi. Each of them brings a unique viewpoint and a wealth of experience. They'll be exploring the silent struggles, the unspoken strengths, and the paths to understanding that men often face in their mental health journeys. They're here to share, to challenge, and to open up a dialogue that is so necessary yet often overlooked. Whether you're a man struggling to find your path, someone who wants to support the men in your life, or just someone curious about this crucial topic, you're in the right place. It's about breaking down barriers, fostering understanding, and empowering all of us to be more compassionate and informed. So let's welcome our host for today. Take it away, gentlemen. Why are you passionate about starting the conversation around men's mental health? I think it's a topic that needs to be discussed more openly throughout the world. We need to try and reduce the stigma and stereotypes that surrounds men's mental health. We need to try and empower people and give them the space to open up. Men are, I think, storytellers. There is a real innate ability, and I think that if we harness that and create spaces where we can build on common knowledge and share what Maybe some of my stories are that might help you and vice versa if we, but we need to have those spaces where the stories can be told. I think like creating this awareness is going to hopefully become like a snowball effect. So the one person then goes, actually, I'm going to talk about my feelings or I'm going to open up and whether that's through social media, whether that's through friends, it will hopefully then trigger, should feel like inspiration to another person and they go, actually, I'm going to do the same thing. And then hopefully this small thing that we have here becomes much larger. And that change has to start with a, a personal change. So it's great to be able to talk to friends and family about these things, but ultimately some people don't even think about that inside. And the access of I'm struggling can manifest as feeling like something else, which then the behavior that comes out of that might not be the most helpful, healthy, or enriching things for ourselves, but also the, the people around us. I think what uh, Matthew just said is really important, feeling it inside, knowing actually maybe what I'm feeling isn't right. Maybe what I feel is getting to that first or maybe the second stage where you can feel you can talk about it. It's almost acknowledging it that it's there in the first place. It's easy in this day and age to distract ourselves, right? There are so many things out there and distractions are usually I feel like we seek distractions in the name of pleasure, right? Things that feel good or exciting or new or what have you. And so just acknowledging being like, oof, something doesn't feel right in alignment, then you can better assess, okay, what do I need in this moment to self-regulate or to self-soothe? I think that's a really important point because when we look at things that are soothing, that we lean into, very often those things are intentionally designed for us to use in some way. If we think about gambling or we think about drink, drugs, sex, or like sex appeal, all of that is designed to tap into our innate wanting to avoid pain. So it's super easy to fall into those things. So being able to articulate 
things that soothe us, that actually benefit us, that move us forward, checking in with that, okay, this feels good, but is this helping me? Is this helping my relationship, either relationship to self or relationship with my family or my colleagues or whatever? Ultimately, there's a lot of money and research that goes into tapping into our animal impulses. So being able to recognize how we can get relief because life is tough sometimes. It will always be tough. We shouldn't strive to never feel bad because that's not realistic. And also the most important learnings in my life have come from pain and tough moments. So that's not the goal. I think the goal is how do I support myself? What, what does wellness feel like? What does self-care feel like that actually nourishes me? Sitting down and watching a streaming service, I probably shouldn't say any names, but <laughs> a streaming service for six hours. Is there anything wrong with that? There's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but is that really nourishing me? Is that really helping me to process what's going on? And sometimes we do need to just disconnect, but there's, there is a difference between numbing out and calming. So I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be viewing this and going, I don't really understand like, what that feels like. Is there a moment where you then go, actually, I've been sat here for four hours and I've done absolutely nothing. Is it a switch that flicks in you? Is it something that you're feeling in your gut? Is it something you feel in your mind? For me, it's always about the feedback. Sometimes when we first start, certainly for me, you use the data of the consequence because it might not be accessible to mid something or before it actually happens to snap into that. But the consequence of that, so four hours, six hours have gone by. Now I'm stressed because I've got this work thing that I should have been doing, or I've not talked to my relatives and I'm feeling bad about that. What are the consequences of that behavior? And why is it feeling so emotionally powerful? Because that's going to give you some information about what your values are, what's important to you. And then you can start to brainstorm what might be replacement activities. And the more that you start to notice these things, the sooner you notice them. I used to have really negative thinking and I would create these whole storylines on the back of events of what I could have done instead, should have done instead, or what that must mean that the other person feels about me. And I would create these big elaborate blockbuster films within my head. And I'm like, I've been walking for 20 minutes and I've been thinking about this the whole time. What a waste of energy. I feel my stress hormones going because I've created this situation where my brain feels this perceived threat from itself, like nothing happened. So what I started to do is, this actually came out from some Buddhist teachings that I was reading at the time, is just labeling it as thinking, thinking. And the more I did that over a period of time, I started to catch myself sooner and sooner. When you're in a place where you're feeling so down in the dumps and feeling like you don't, where you're not feeling empowered, it's, it's harder to tap into the things that you know when you're feeling a bit better, when you're feeling a bit more resourceful. First of all, you're creative, Matt. I, I know what it feels like to do storytelling up here. I too am a, a victim of that. I'd be remiss not to mention it. I find when I am overthinking, just simply put, let's call it that, maybe I'm, I'm delving into the what could be perceived as dangerous territory of storytelling about others. But if I'm just overthinking, even about what it is I need to do to go through my day, I find often what grounds me and what I start to feel well or feel better is if I go on a walk, just walk it out, walk it off. And I think that fundamentally to better understand what we as men need to live a well-lived life or live uh, a life of better overall well-being is asking ourselves in key moments, what would serve me? What would serve me? 
would a walk serve me? Do I actually need to run a run? Cause maybe I'm stressed and like a run would serve me better. Maybe it's yoga. I'm a big yogi for the records. It's, I find often that movement helps me move through whatever emotions I'm feeling. And I feel as if though that I'm living well. <laughs> that really resonates because when we're feeling, when we get into our reptilian brain and we're feeling like flight or fight, that produces chemicals that make our, makes our body want to move, either run away or engage with something. And so being physical is a really great, great way to start to metabolize those things. So it does help us because if we force ourselves to sit still, then we're just running through and it feels so unnatural. So absolutely. And I think also very important to note is that it doesn't have to be yoga. It doesn't have to be going for a walk. I think for men, sometimes they're like, I don't want to meditate. I don't want to do yoga. That doesn't resonate with me. And that's fine. You know, we, they get a lot of attention because they're very powerful, but it's only powerful if you use it. And if you don't connect with it, you won't use it. I like that idea of Matt. It doesn't have to be resonant. Yes. And try it out though. Cause I feel like a lot of men aren't even willing to try, try it on, try it out, whatever it may be. And maybe it's the first impression you're like uh, unsure, go back and get a second impression, go for a third, right? It may be the instructor or the type of class, but I just think in life, it's important to give things a chance. And a lot of men maybe have different rules or code of conduct they adhere to. Three strikes and you're out. Like I've tried three times and I'm not going to try again. But I just think it's important to encourage men to try things because I find that men, we avoid things we're not good at. We don't want to be perceived as bad at things or failures at something. We avoid things that we're not like inherently, oh, I beasted it. And so it's important to know that on the path to progress, you got to practice. The second thought I was going to have is there's nothing against zoning out and binge watching a show, right? I did it recently. And let me tell you why, Henry, because I, on the flight over here, I'm in the process of writing a book, which is labor intensive and really getting me outside of my comfort zone. And I had planned like, oh, you're going to have all these hours on the plane. Of course, like I'm going to strategically slot like the hours I'm sleeping, but then I'm going to maximize the time that I need to write before and I'm going to be efficient. And then I was like, you know what? I just need to watch The Crown because I'm going to the UK and it's going to get me pumped up. It was nice to just zone out and watch The Crown because I wasn't in a mentality to write. And it served me. that What would serve you? And I was like, actually, I need to relax and watch four episodes of The Crown and get pumped up for my trip to the UK instead of trying to write 400 words because I was not in a position to write 400 words. <laughs> I think the point there is that's intentional. Right. You have a reason to Thank do you. it. You're connecting with that in... Um... A mindful way as opposed to oh just got home i'm gonna just do what i do every day and see what might but it almost from. acts as like a distraction right so oh, what's going to take my mind away from either what you're feeling what you don't want to do it's like a where well, it could be like a default but then it could also be like well, i don't really want to deal with what's going on in my mind so i'm just going to put the tv on and that's going to distract me. autopilot autopilot I think it, it, as men, we need to get curious about the actions we take or even the habits we have. We may not realize they're habits. It's just we think it's a way of life that all men are adhering to. I get home, I cook, or maybe I do takeout. doesn't matter, right? Like we don't want to judge. We don't want to shame anyone. But then you just put it on and it's something you do habitually Monday through Thursday until the weekend rolls around. Let's just get curious about our habits and are those habits routine serving us? Yeah. And I think we can be generous in spirit to ourselves when we say things like, it's okay to veg out with some TV. Yeah. We don't have to. I've made this mistake in the past where I've made every waking moment a one of self-reflection, which is exhausting. Like it doesn't have to be this all-consuming thing. And sometimes it just feels good to just close my eyes and listen to the characters on whatever show that was. But 
What I, I did want to swing back to one thing that you said about the thing of curiosity. I absolutely agree. And I, but I think again, that comes to a, speaks to your level of resourcefulness at the time. If you never do anything like this, I think it's really important to act at something that feels accessible because there is an element of vulnerability or a, it's effort to go to something new, especially if you're not feeling particularly drawn to it. I definitely go to things all the time now, but I also know people who they're like, I feel stressed out. I don't feel particularly like I know where I want to go or what I want to do. And so that extra effort of finding it and researching it and going, I don't know if this aligns with me, that can be a barrier if you are not used to doing that type of work. So I think sometimes you have to walk before you can run. But I also, but I do want to say how much I agree with that. Try new things because it might be even more powerful than the thing that you're doing. So I see that, but I also want to just hit the point home that sometimes it's okay to start small. Absolutely. And I think procrastination can stop any kind of progress, right? If you're there going, okay, I want to try something new. I've been in this situation myself. Okay, well, what equipment do I need? All right, so I need to order all that. Okay, so the nearest place, half an hour away. Whereas if we just go, you know what? Let's throw myself into this and see if I enjoy it when I'm there. Because we can put barriers in our own way and it stops us trying these things that are new. But I, I completely resonate with what you said. Put yourself out there and try something different. It doesn't have to be walking. It doesn't have to be jogging. It doesn't have to be gymnastics, for instance. It could be something new. Totally. Climbing, you know? Yeah. Comedy, improv class, Baton. cooking class. <laughs> exactly. Fire twirlers. Do either of you have a journaling practice? Yes. Yes. And I'm going to put my hand up. Let's go for it. And I'm going to say that I have tried this a couple of times in the past. For one reason or another, I couldn't make it stick. I think because I wasn't regimented enough with my habit. So I wouldn't take my journal up to bed with me and then you don't do it. You've lost that habit right away. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's okay, I need to take my pen up. I need to take my, my journal up. And as long as I take that up to bed with me, I'm doing it. And it's going to be a month tomorrow where I've done it every day, oh which is, yeah, that's which is, yeah, that's huge yeah. life for me. So yeah, I've gone into it recently. Whereas I'm like, that would be a really nice dust protector beside my bed. Because for me, that's, that's one of the things like, I tried. I, I knew how powerful this was supposed to be of a tool, but I just wouldn't do it. And so what I do instead is I either do a recording of myself if I need to talk to f future Matt who might be struggling with something or whatever, I might record something of myself or I'll do a voice note because I don't like writing. If I'm learning something, yes, but when it comes to just journaling on a daily basis, I, it's not accessible to me. I don't really want to do it. So I found a different tool to get the benefits of that self-reflection without it having to be in that, that format. Sure. I think you both have highlighted what works for you, Henry, is a system. Having it by your bed, Matt, what work, works for you is changing the medium. Exactly. I'm still figuring it out for me, but I've noticed that if I put myself in a position to succeed, so to speak, if I have my planner on top of my laptop, I like opening written page before I get on a thing that has calendar notifications and pings and multiple tabs maybe that I haven't closed out in the last three weeks or, you know, it's like time to close all the tabs at the end of the month. So it's nice for me to ground myself, but I by no means am I an expert at it yet. I just find that asking myself simple questions such as what's working, what's not working and what's next, like writing that down before I get on my laptop or phone has been instrumental in helping me 
feel like I'm living a well-lived life or inten- an intentional life. So do you journal bef- in the morning? In the morning, in the morning? Okay. exactly. So I'm the opposite. Yeah, I do yeah. it in the evening. Yeah. So I try and unpack everything that I felt throughout the day. And I think it helps clear your mind for sort of like good restful sleep and getting it off your chest onto the paper and you feel like you've taken some of that weight off. So for me, yeah, it definitely helps. Like you say, it doesn't work for everyone. Sure. I'm almost hearing what you're suggesting is very pensive and reflective. And I love this idea of purge. I see a lot of value in that because I struggle sometimes when my head hits the pillow. Past versions of me have fixated on what I didn't do as opposed to being proud or celebrating what I did do. And that's where my gratitude practiced. I lay in bed at night and I try to think of three things and be very specific that I'm grateful for. And then in the morning, set an intention. And I'm also laying in bed. It's like dreading getting out. You can do this mile. And we're going to count down five, four, three, two, one. But who do I need to be today before I go in planning mode? Because I do feel that just to juxtapose, if yours is more pensive, mine is more preparation in the morning of, okay, before I even look at the calendar to inform this, what is my intuition telling me? What is the most important thing I need to do? Not just the first thing and I, and then am ruled by my calendar and, and going one by one. I think this is a, a nice segue actually into if you don't get something done during the day, don't beat yourself up. And it's even if you have failed at something, don't beat yourself up about it. Learn and go, okay, right, I'll, I'll do better tomorrow. It's giving yourself that space to go, I'm, I'm not perfect and that's okay. I love that. I think more men need to be kind to themselves. <laughs> We're I very mean, kind to the people around us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Whether that's just innately who we are, we've become conditioned to be in society. But I find I grew up playing sports as a kid. And when I scan my brain, very few coaches I had were actually mean to me. and like, you suck, mom. You didn't hit the ball. And it's like, yeah, why is that my internal monologue? Like you missed, you like do better. It's the best coaches I ever had were encouragers and said, hey, at least you swung at the ball. Like you're going to hit some, you're going to miss some, keep going, keep trying. And that is when we, we shift our mindset to that place of I am my own best friend. I am my own best cheerleader. It empowers us so much more beyond belief. But I find we have a tendency to be so critical, so harsh with this judge voice that's just, and you're like, yo, I don't like that. Go easy on me a little bit. Yeah. We're talking about sports, but I will do a musical theater. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome in another. <laughs> is There's this show called Title of Show. And one of the songs is called Die Vamp- Vampire Die. And there's this little part that resonated with me so much. And it said, if I was standing on the platform and someone came up calling me a failure and what all these really negative things, why would I think they were like an asshole? But it's completely reasonable if I say that to myself. How, do, how can I be so cruel to myself when I wouldn't allow it from other people? And so when you talk about being your own biggest cheerleader or advocate or hype man or whatever sits with you, I think it's really interesting to see how do I talk to myself when I fail versus how when other people fail? And what's the difference there? What is the, how do I bridge that gap so I can have that same level of generosity with myself that I have with others? And if you treat people, other people worse than you treat yourself, that's also a different question. But Yeah, Matthew, you just brought in that big F word failure that I think a lot of men struggle with. And can we reframe what even is failure? There's this quote I really love. It's by Nelson Mandela and it goes something like this. I either win or I learn, I never lose. That's not it. Somebody needs to fact check me, but it sounds really good. It's basically something into the effect of like, 
life isn't about winning and losing. Even if I lose, it's it can be reframed as a learning instead of a loss. And I think that's so brilliant of just if we tell ourselves mentally that mental chatter, like I'm losing, I'm behind, I'm not ahead or where I want to be, then we get fixated in that icky space of just, I suck. And as we talk about men's mental health, the way we speak to ourselves first and foremost is so important. So if we can reframe it to what is this teaching me or what am I supposed to learn here or how can I move forward from this learning? I think that's so powerful. And believing you have the resources to learn from it. It's getting that confidence. It's, it's very hard to say, just be more self-confident. But if you speak to yourself with kindness and you say, it's okay that I failed because I learned this, what you, what the quote that you were given reminds me of what I say all the time is suffering or pain is tuition. And if you learn the lesson, if you go to the class and you get something out of it, it's worth it. But if not, you paid all that money for nothing and then you're just broke and sad. <laughs> and we know that cognitively, the messages that we continue to either absorb internally or externally, the things around us as well, really affect how we perceive things. So the more that we tell ourselves we're garbage, the more we'll feel that way. And we'll find examples of why that's true. It was either Mel Robbins or Brene Brown, because I love them both. But it's, she said, don't look for examples of why you are a failure or why you don't belong to be there, because you will find them. Starting to create the narrative for yourself around why you deserve to be there in whatever space it is. It's not because you deserve it more than someone else. It's just that you deserve to be there, I think is really important because when we're feeling like garbage and we're feeling stressed and threatened and all these things, it's almost like a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy because we are less resourceful. When we're feeling like we need to fight or we want to run away or whatever, we're not in our most, our optimum cognitive abilities where we can really succeed. That's it. Yeah. When you talk about whether it was Brene or Mel, which by the way, I'm a big fan of them both. I heard the five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. Yeah. You heard it. The <laughs> high five technique. Brene Brown, Texas girl, lover, Mel Robbins. She keeps it real. But men, I think, struggle with entitlement and humility. Those two words normally don't go hand in hand, but I like what you were trying to highlight, Matt, or what you said around it's not that you deserve to be there over somebody else. And I think sometimes men don't know what humility really is. And this quote is one that I carry with me. It's humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. So it welcomes in a curiosity of what other men are going through or what the world's struggling with. And be, you're able to be more empathetic, not thinking that you're less than, but you're just not also the focal point. <laughs> That's the root nature of humility. So what, what advice can we give other people then as to, okay, so I hear myself being negative towards myself, beating myself up mentally. How would you, what kind of advice would you give someone? Why don't you start? I think for me, it's just trying to catch it. Naming as, it like. Yeah, exactly. Go, hang on a second. What am I doing here? Would I, and then you caught it. So you've recognized that you're bad mouthing yourself or talking negatively towards yourself. And then you question it. Okay, am I that person? Am I that bad? You then question it and then you go, okay, maybe I'll change this. Let me try and look at it from, okay, my best friend. If I'm giving this advice to my best friend, what would it be? And that's the narrative that you have to create yourself, right? That's how I would anyway. I love that. I think men struggle with catching it. I think that there's so much power in 
noticing when that voice that isn't maybe you, it could be an imposter or a saboteur voice that's trying to sabotage just your being, like the person you're trying to show up to do, not even like what you're trying to do. This came up for me while I've been here in the UK. I forgot even what the thought was, which shows you my lack of mindfulness. But I remember in the moment thinking, hold up, Milam, like you're jet lagged. You've only been here. Why are you putting so much pressure on yourself? Go. It's this idea. I love what you welcomed in of what would you tell a friend? You wouldn't tell a friend like you're slow, you're behind, you're sluggish. You'd be like, hey, bud, go get a coffee or whatever, if, if that's what I was feeling. So I just I think there's a lot of power. And if we as men could help one another catch negative thoughts and feelings, then there wouldn't be so much suppression that then comes out in other ways. Anger, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's developing that, right? Like, that's only going to happen through, like you said, practice. We need to just be mindful. And I guess a really good way to ground yourself is just following the breath. That's going to clear everything. It's going to bring you back to your center. It's going to give you, uh, it's going to bring you back into the present moment. Once you focus on the breath, it can help clear or pause those thoughts. There you go. But what the hell does that mean? What does coming back to center mean? Like, I, <clears throat> this is what I think that we, it's so easy to speak from a, I've been doing this work for years and this is come back to the present moment. But if you've never done that, what is that? That's fair. That's a good point. So for me, it would be, okay, let me just feel the rise and fall of my chest, something really basic. And then you can go, okay, the temperature difference, or is it cold or is it warmer as I breathe in and out? You have then suddenly distracted yourself from either negative thought processes or whatever it is that you might be distracted by and you have cleared your mind. I think for me, I went to this place where it's like you can do mindfulness and you need to be an enlightened yogi to get that clarity. I don't think it needs to be as idealized as that. I think sometimes going, coming back to the present moment is sometimes I feel so tense. I feel so angry. I feel so overwhelmed with frustration and kind of pain actually and whatever it is. It's recognizing those feelings, not running away from those feelings, recognizing those feelings, but stopping the story, stopping the cognitive process of the script that is perpetuating our emotional and physiological responses. It's going, okay, I'm feeling this. Just like I can feel the temperature of the room, I can feel my butt in this chair. It's also, I can feel what's going on internally. I can feel my shoulders are up here. Oh, what does it feel like to just let them drop down? And I think that coming starting with those types of things it can be easier for people who aren't used to doing that work than saying let's just come back to center i'm like what the hell does that mean but that's how i felt before now i'm like i know what you mean what you're trying to say to me but sure sometimes people don't you have to again you have to walk before you can run yeah but i think i was more going on to the fact of breathing like just following the breath coming back to center whatever you want to call it that's you don't have to resonate with that and, and this is the thing it's not a one size fits all it's more of that body wisdom rather than the more breath work but there's different ways of doing it right and that's the thing don't go oh god i have to do it that way there's other ways that you can do it for me my breath is an anchor i carry stress or i feel stress in my gut like my stomach will drop and i'll be like oh i need to run to the bathroom <laughs> tmi that, let's like, get more sound bites on yeah, this for real but that's how i know that either that email i read like it used to happen when I was in the corporate world, got an email that did not sit well with me and I would just feel my stomach drop and be like, oh crap, like how do I write this wrong or rectify this? And so for me, if I can just breathe through it, then that helps me regulate of what is the best next step, right? Instead of 
having a knee-jerk reaction of fighting it, maybe like maybe being more combative and going back and be like, per my last email, actually, it's it's saying, okay, hold on, wait a minute. But that's for me. And you bring up such a valid point, Matt, like people that have been doing self-awareness work or mindfulness work, whatever we want to call deep inner work over a long period of time, they start to know themselves better. And it can look different for different men. Um, it, it can look different for all of us. But I do think there is a lot of power in regulating the breath because when I do so or when I take a, a drink of water, I notice that when I get nervous, I bite my fingernails. Can't shake the habit. 34 years on this planet. In order to break it, I don't breathe because that's not going to make me stop, but I will take a drink of water. And then that actually physically gets my fingers out of my mouth and drinking out of a water bottle instead. So it's just knowing what you need in those moments of anxiety. I, th I think it, there's, it might be useful for some people. One thing that I always try to remember about breathing is that it's not just some spiritual idea. It's that there is science behind the fact that when we feel threatened, when we have that perceived risk and we're reacting rather than responding, what you were talking about, is that our breath will change. It will go into a like more shallow, rapid point because if we're trying to run away, we have, like I said, we have physiological changes. So when we force the breath, it gives reverse engineers the messaging that actually we're in a space where we can do relaxing breath and it will tell your body that it's okay to relax because you can't do relaxed breathe. You don't do relaxed breathing naturally when things are really bad. But when you force that, or force it sounds not, not the right word I want to use, but when you engineer that, your body will start to listen to that knowledge of, okay, actually we're safe. And then it can respond from the inside. Love that. I think this is a really good place to land. I think it's been great us getting together. I think it's been a really nice to meet you both in person, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome. Obviously, we've covered a lot of things in this conversation, and I think that there are so many more places to go. So, Milam, if people want to get involved in this conversation, how can they do that? It's a great question, Matt. Rome wasn't built in a day. We are building something special. If you want to discover more, go to nomi.com forward slash men. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Be well. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope our conversation provides some insight and practical ways to navigate and understand you. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. As always, thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.